You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. Well, I hate to say this, and we've already referred to it or brought it up a little bit, and as people are coming in the doors of the church uh, this morning, I've chatted with some of you, and so you know uh, that this is where we're at, but the summer season is winding down. There's a collective groan, if you're watching online and you didn't hear that, there's a collective groan in the auditorium. This is particularly difficult for me to accept because summer is my absolute favorite time of year. I love the summer. Summer has so much to offer. It's the season that I go on a canoe trip with each of my boys. I just got back from a couple of nights away with my eldest this past week. Summer is the season of fishing. It's It's the season when we spend hours at the side of a baseball field watching Ashton play and connecting with other families, which is just a beautiful thing. I love connecting with people outside of the church, and all of that is just a part of our summer. Summer is barbecues, right? And hanging out on decks in the evenings with friends. It's playing catch and riding bikes. And I will confess, eating way more ice cream than I should. Anyone else, like 7 o'clock, you're like, I could go for some ice cream in the evening. Every day. There you go. There you go. Who said that? That's right. It's a great season, summer is. And so I, I start to get a little sad when... I can feel it coming to an end. But another reason why I mourn the end of summer is that it begins our march towards another season. You know what's coming, right? A season that some of you, as I've spoken to, I know some of you have moved here in the last couple of months. It's a season that some of you have yet to see the likes of, which is winter. But it doesn't come right away. You know, first we get to experience the second greatest season. Anyone else for fall? Okay. Fall is another great season, perhaps a favorite of many of you. And fall marks the beginning of routines and reprieve. You know, for many, it's, you know, kids getting up and going to school, which now provides reprieve from kids running around the house all day. Reprieve from spending money on things like day camps and ice cream. Reprieve from the blazing heat, which isn't a problem, but some of you feel that it is. And along with the reprieve and routine comes the most beautiful display of colors as the leaves change, right? But fall is a trap. It's a trap. See, the bright colors, I believe, are just a distraction. I'll bet God thought to himself, if I mesmerize them with a dazzling display of colors of oranges and yellows and reds, they won't notice that it's getting colder and colder every day. Until suddenly one day you wake up and all of the leaves are fallen and you're surrounded with nothing but a barren, frozen wasteland of misery. (laughs) A season of pain and suffering. A season of frozen fingers and window scraping. Those who are new to the country, are you looking forward to this yet? A season that just seems to go on. And on until you're just not sure you can bear another day. And, and just when you get to that point that you're not sure you can make it one more day, you think to yourself, I think I can actually feel the sun on my face. 
right? And the snow begins to melt and spring comes and the world sprouts to life once again. And so the cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. This is life in Canada. A life that consists of seasons, seasons to be celebrated, some seasons to be tolerated, but each one in its beautiful own way. Well, in the Bible, King Solomon talks about other seasons that we experience in life. And if I'm going to read it to you, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. It says, There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. Don't you wish some people would understand that? A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Would you stand? We're going to pray before we dig into this and ask God to speak to us this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can be together uh, here in person and online And we can hear from you and that you give us wisdom when we seek it from you, God. So we just ask that you would make us wise today. It would speak to our hearts. Lead us in truth, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can grab a seat. So what we just read is a poem in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book written by who is believed to be and likely is King Solomon, because the author begins by stating that these are the words of the son of David, king of Jerusalem, who was... King Solomon, and it's a creative book written in, written in the third person by someone Solomon gave the Hebrew name Kohelet, and this actually is the name of the book as well. Ecclesiastes is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Kohelet, which is believed to mean teacher, but this poem, though, captures in such a beautiful way the reality of life, and that reality is that life consists of seasons. That life consists of seasons, just as life in Canada consists of different seasons or periods of time in the year, which each have their own characteristics, such as temperature and weather patterns. Our lives are made up of periods of time, you know, each with their own circumstances, with their own challenges, responsibilities, ups and downs. Seasons which even contrast one another as stated in this poem. And life consists of both birth and death. Of planting and uprooting, of weeping and laughing, and things like mourning and dancing. Life consists of seasons. Not all of the seasons that we go through are ones we want or we even would even choose to go through, such as winter. I mean, no, other life seasons. Some we find ourselves in because of the choices that we've made, good or bad. And others we find ourselves in for reasons beyond our control. But the reality is that life consists of seasons. Or periods of time, each with a unique set of circumstances. And from one perspective, this list of activities, it only emphasizes the mundanity of life. See, the poem appears in the middle of a rant by Kohelet. 
about the meaningless of life and the constant empty toil of mankind, which the author refers to as a chasing after the wind. To chase after the wind is to pursue something that you will never grab hold of, which is what he concludes is the result of mankind's pursuit of meaning or purpose in life through constant toil. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever questioned what the point is of doing what you do every day? Have you ever pondered the purpose of the seasons of life? To live and to work only to die in the end? To celebrate and laugh only to find yourself weeping and mourning later? Or like a garden to work hard planting only to find yourself later pulling up the very things that you worked so hard to plant and then repeating that cycle over and over again. Do you ever ask, you know, what is the point of it all? This is the question that Kohelet wrestles with. And after his poem on the seasons of life, he asks in Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 10, he says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. And this is a rhetorical question because the answer is that workers gain nothing from their toil. He goes on to say that he's seen the burden that God has laid on the human race, the burden of going through life, trying to achieve a sense of purpose and accomplishment, only to discover that there's no purpose or there's no meaning in human accomplishments. And Kohelet knew this all too well. In the first couple chapters of Ecclesiastes, if you're familiar with it, he describes the magnitude of his pursuit for meaning, explaining how he had worked so hard to build so many things like homes and gardens and to accumulate everything that anyone could ever want and to indulge in every form of pleasure, to grow in wisdom beyond anyone else in the world. And yet, in the end, he discovered that it was all meaningless. And he concluded that no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. On top of this, he knew that nothing he did had any real impact on the world. The seasons simply repeat themselves over and over and over again, he said. And, and, and he was a part of this cycle, and he understood that he was simply a part of this repeating cycle. He was born, and no matter how hard he worked, and no matter what he accomplished while on earth, he was going to die. And none of, whenever I hear that, I'm going to die. Is that trip anything in someone's mind? I shouldn't even admit this. What about Bob? There's a movie where the kid is like, we're going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. And there was this kid that was working himself into a panic attack. Sorry. So, you know, we're all going to die. And, and, and Kohelet knew that, you know, he was going to die and none of his accomplishments would matter. I've, I've found myself asking these questions before. I mean, not when it comes to ministry, thankfully. I, I believe that there's value in these things. When Rel and I were young, though, we were so motivated and excited to get into a home, and we worked so hard to get a home and to decorate it just so, you know, decorate it the way that we wanted it to be. And I think we had such a deep belief that this would change our lives, right? 
And don't get me wrong, I'm extremely grateful for our home. I really am. I feel that God has blessed us far beyond what we ever believe we deserve. But now almost after 11 years of living in the home, the things that we invested our lives and, and gave ourselves to are now dated. And they're falling apart. And you have to ask yourself, why? You know, what's the point, you know, of investing yourself so much in things that, you know, only a short time later really just have no value at all? At some point, sure, we'll update things again, but they'll only follow the same fate. You know, you'll pour more time and money into things, and then they'll just begin to degrade and waste away. The sermon's going to get less depressing later, I promise you. When I was younger, I, I bought a car that I thought would be so amazing to own. And it was a great car. It was beautiful to drive. But the upholstery soon started to crack. And instead then of enjoying the car, every time I got into it, as beautiful of a car as it was, it drove me crazy. Because all I would ever do is look over and see the cracked upholstery in the car that was beginning to degrade, you know. We invest ourselves into things, and then we soon realize that they don't actually give us any sense of meaning or satisfaction. I shared with you probably in the last year how over COVID, I bought a vintage fiberglass trailer from 1978, and I spent hours and hours in my garage doing body work and completely restoring it, repainting it, and completely renovating the interior. But then when I was finished, yeah, it looked great. It was, it was like new again. But it sat in my driveway. We had no time to use it. And what's worse is that only after a year or so, you could already see the weather taking its toll on my work. And I knew that if it sat there year after year, I would just have to watch all of my hard work wiped away before my eyes. And so I sold it. And I got rid of it. We used it a couple times. But we have to ask, you know, what do we gain for our toil? Nothing. These things, they don't bring meaning to our lives. And when we strive to attain meaning through the seasons of life, the seasons of life only magnify the emptiness of it all. But then Solomon or Kohelet says something in the next verse, verse 11, that provides another perspective on these things. He writes in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he, referring to God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so while a life of striving through the seasons of life is meaningless, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Without God, life is nothing but a mundane cycle of seasons. But with God, each season of life has a purpose within a bigger plan. He says God has set eternity on the human heart, meaning that God has given people this sense that there's more beyond this life. We all have it, right? Yet as he describes, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so there's a greater purpose in life than striving. And even though we can't figure it all out and we can't always explain why things happen as they do and why we have to go through certain seasons, and, why, and even though not every season is pleasant, 
God has a purpose for our lives that extends beyond the time that we have here on earth. And in him, and only in him, each season of life becomes a beautiful part of his plan. The Apostle Paul understood this as well. He had experienced many seasons in life, many ups and downs. He saw communities of people who turned to God and loved one another and were generous with one another. Just this beautiful season. And he also, though, had went through seasons where he was beaten and imprisoned for his faith. He was lost at sea and shipwrecked. But with God, he was able to say in Romans 8.28, we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And what he was saying is that whether, we, whether in a season of suffering or in a season of joy, that God is at work when we love him and when we trust him. If we trust him, he'll use even the worst seasons of our lives to accomplish his purpose in our lives. When we trust him, he uses all of those seasons to cause us to know him more. He, he teaches us to depend on him. He shapes us into his good character. And through all of those seasons of life, somehow God makes us like him and, and then uses our lives to make him known to others in the world. And that is a life that is full, completely full of meaning and of purpose. See, here's the thing. The seasons of our lives only have meaning when we trust God through them all. The seasons of our lives, all of the seasons of our lives, contrasting seasons, highs and lows, they only have meaning when we trust God through them all. Apart from him, there is no meaning. Apart from him, sure, some seasons will give you a lift. Some seasons may give you, make you smile for a while, but it won't be long before you'll look back and you'll wonder what real value there was in it at all. Apart from him, the difficult seasons only knock you down and discourage you. And apart from him, the challenges of life only cause you to lose hope and wonder what the point is of this life. But in him, our lives are not without meaning. In him, we understand that God is in control above our understanding, above everything that happens in our lives, and that he is good. And he's shown us that he's in control. He isn't just, you know, it's not just someone writing these things, you know, a couple of thousand years ago. But God himself wants us to know that he's in control. So much that he, he became present in the world through his son, Jesus. Where he worked through humanity's worst sin, our rejection of him. And killing him on the cross to bring about our forgiveness and our salvation. And he rose from the dead, proving his power over sin and death. And he gives meaning to us when we turn to him. And he fills us with his spirit and then uses our lives through every season to make him known in this world. God has made it known to us through his son that he is in control and that we can trust him through the seasons of life. God himself in the flesh, his son, Jesus, he trusted his father through one of the worst seasons ever. Can you imagine facing crucifixion in the way that he did? And yet God, through that season, fulfilled his purpose of forgiveness for humanity in the world. And so whatever season you're in this morning, whether you're in a season of laughing, or whether you're in a season of mourning, 
Whether you're in a season of dancing or a season of weeping, if you're in a season of, of building something that the world may see as something great, or if you're in a season of tearing down, I want to challenge you this morning to turn to him and to trust in him. Remaining grateful in the good times and depending on him in the hard times. But whatever you do as we move towards the fall season, which often leads to other seasons in other areas of our lives, whatever you do, you don't go through any season without him. Whether you're working, whether you're going to school, you don't look for meaning or purpose in whatever season you're heading into because you won't find it in that. Our lives only have meaning as we trust God through every season of life. And so make God a part of your life intentionally. You know, turn to him. Allow him to guide you each day because the seasons of our lives only have meaning when we trust them through them all.